You're listening to KXSFLP San Francisco, streaming live on the web at kxsf.fm, the TuneIn app, or on 102.5 FM in San Francisco. How's it going, Bay Area? I'm DJ Sammy P, and this is Pasco's Perspective. We are back for another special holiday episode. I'm still in the Bay here before I go back to school. So, I want to wish everybody a happy New Year's. Hope everyone had a good New Year's Eve evening. I did. Had a great night in the marina there. It's a great time over there with some great small businesses as well. So definitely recommend checking them out. We got a great show planned for you today. We got a little tech news talking about some new trends that we could see emerge here in 2023 in terms of combining creativity, combining technology, and creating really interesting art. So we'll get into that. Um, and some sports news as well later on. Warriors, they're hot. Niners, they're even hotter. So we'll talk about all that and more. And Twitter, Pasco's Perspective. We are back active on Twitter. Old Elon there, fine-tuning the product, if you will. Uh, but we are tweeting, so be sure to check us out on Pasco's Perspective on Twitter. Uh, a lot of little tidbits or notes I'll be mentioning from the Twitter feed there. So without any further ado, let's begin today's show with actually a Taylor Swift song. You may not think... That New Year's Day has really any songs, but she wrote one for New Year's Day. And I know it's not quite New Year's Day, but I think it kind of counts. So we're going to play it now. This is Taylor Swift with New Year's Day. There's glitter on the floor after the party. Girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby. Candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor. Don't read the last page, but I stay When you're lost and I'm scared and you're turning away I want your midnights But I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day You squeeze my hand three times in the back of the taxi tell that it's gonna be a long road I'll be there if you're the toast of the town, babe Or if you strike out and you're crawling home Don't read the last page But I stay When it's hard or it's wrong or we're making mistakes I want your midnights But I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Stay. Hold on to the memories, they will hold on to you. Hold on to the memories, they will hold on to you. Hold on to the memories, they will hold on to you. And I will hold on to you. on the hardwood floor you and me forevermore 
what's wrong or we're making mistakes I want your midnights But I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day Hold on to the memories they will hold on to you Hold on to the memories they will hold on to you Hold on to the memories they will hold on to you And I will hold on to you Please don't to the memories come a stranger Support for KXSF-FM comes from Dress San Francisco, a fashion boutique located in the heart of the city's Marina District. Dress carries a wide range of contemporary clothing and jewelry designs with collections and styles to fit any occasion, from work to weekend and daytime to nighttime. Dress is located at 2271 Chestnut Street between Scott and Pierce. Shop in-store or online at DressSanFrancisco.com. Thank you for your support of San Francisco Community Radio. A long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while but February made me shiver with every paper I'd deliver bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside the day the music died So bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write Cause I saw 
the day that I die This'll be the day that I die
I met a girl who sang the blues And I asked her for some happy news But she just smiled and turned away I went down to the sacred store Where I'd heard the music years before But the man there said the music wouldn't play in the streets the children screamed The lovers cried and the poets dreamed But not a word was spoken The church bells all were broken And the three men I admire most The Father, Son and the Holy Ghost They caught the last train for the coast The day the music died And they were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die They were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die Underwriting for KXSF is provided by City Beer, a family-owned community gathering spot to sip a fresh draft while mingling with friends old and new. Visit their new home at 853 Valencia Street, where they offer a well-curated selection of beer, wine, and cider, both to enjoy on-site or take home. There's plenty of seating and an outdoor parklet, all in the heart of the mission. So visit City Beer, a San Francisco fixture since 2006, now located at 853 Valencia Street between 19th and 20th. Thank you for supporting KXSF San Francisco Community Radio. All right, we just listened to American Pie. Before that, we heard Taylor Swift with New Year's Day. American Pie, that's a classic song, an oldie there. Sam, why would you be starting uh, 2023 with an oldie here? Well, actually, I was looking at the Billboard Hot 100 for this week. And all the songs, everything up till number seven and, what, eight of the top ten are not from this century. These old songs. They still hit. They still slap. These are some good songs. American Pie uh, was used to be the longest song on the that cracked the Billboard Top Hot 100 number one spot till Taylor Swift actually overtook Dawn McLean there uh, with her 11-minute version of All Too Well. But thought I'd start a little oldies looking back before we look forward. And if in case you are curious, what is number one right now? First week of January for 2023. It still is All I Want for Christmas. By Mariah Carey, that's still number one there, uh, and then they're all Christmas songs. No, no, no new music for 2023 quite yet. We have Taylor Swift "Antihero" number at number nine, uh, SZA's at number seven, two above her at with "Kill Bill," and number ten, "Unholy" Sam Smith. So, so we got some 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 Christmas songs, some new stuff. But I wanted to play some new ones. Actually, David Guetta, not quite new, but recent. Uh, a little party music, mix it up a little bit, get that get that rhythm going i know american pie is a fun song but maybe not the most energetic so this is david Guetta with bb rexa i'm good
shopping in the Benz, I like you, I do. I hit you in a land, can you fit me in your plans? I like you, I do. We went up out of France and we woke up in Japan, I like you, I do. I do. I just want you, I just want you. Your heart's so big, but I need this huge. Just want you, oh baby, too. You like me too, girl, I like you, I do. I wanna be a friend while shopping in the Benz, I like you. That was Post Malone and Doja Cat with I Like You. Before that, we heard Max Drazen with Blurry Pictures. And before that, we heard David Ghetto and Baby Rexa with I'm Good. So, actually, that Blurry Pictures song, I have to admit, we played last week. But I really enjoyed the song, so wanted to play it again this week for you. So, diving into our first topic, we have Generative AI. Don't know if you've heard about this. You should. I'm about to tell you right now. So OpenAI Open is a company right here in our backyard in San Francisco, and they create artificial intelligence. And they just released – well, but previously, backing up a second, they created this product or kind of – not a product, but definitely a website right now. You can buy credits on it called Dolly, where you can type in text, and it will generate art based on that text. You can create some of the craziest things you imagine. It had like a teddy bear on the moon, a drinking a cup of tea with a bicycle. And it will draw that pretty accurately, like a real artist would. And you can stylize it in the style of Picasso, Van Gogh, you name it. It can pretty much do it. So they created that process through generative AI. It's this new process where basically you just throw a bunch of data at artificial intelligence. It creates an algorithm, figures out patterns, traits, I don't really know how it works. They don't really know how it works, but it, they've got it to work really well with this high power. I believe it's quantum computing. Anyway, it creates some very cool artwork. That's Dolly, D-A-L-L-E, Dolly. It's all caps. You can check that out online. They just released the second version of it, Dolly 2. can create some gen- very cool, high-quality images. They just released, though, ChatGPT. That stands for Chat Generative Something pro- – I'm not exactly sure. It's something, it's something weird, confusing, but it's all about this generative AI. Dolly's cool. You can create artwork. People put that on Twitter. It's kind of cool. Not much you can really do. It's artwork. What are you really going to do with it? You look at it. It's interesting. But ChatGPT really blew this whole thing wide open because you can give it any text prompt, anything you want, basically like Siri, but a thousand times more powerful. Anything you want, it will create anything. And I'll give you an example in a second. But it's wild. So these tools, they've raised concerns about the potential for automation in the creative fields like copywriting and design. Okay, maybe automation is going to take away, you know, truck drivers and it's going to take away, you know, manufacturing. But but artistic work is something we've really thought as a society. It's pretty much safe from the computers. This technology is proving it's not safe and might be actually the first one to go. Being a little dramatic here, I definitely see it being more as a creative assistant, but this is just the first step. We're just starting 2023, and this technology is already very powerful. One of the biggest concerns that people are are looking at this is with homework and education. 
Or yes, right now you answer, you ask it a prompt, you know, write something about the recession or write a thing, write a short essay about the Cold War. It will give you some generally generic essay prompt, but you start tweaking it. You give it a draft of what you already have, say, rewrite it with an academic tone, make it more sophisticated sounding. It will do that. And it's free and it's very quick. It's pretty good but the the timing and the amount of iterations you can do for free you just make an account on their website is scary good and they're worried now with these tech take-home essays we've seen with education people are now at home learning things or on zoom students can cheat it's all on the computer and now this technology is making it very difficult for educators to determine the difference i think i saw a story in the new york post saying an educator caught a student using it and he ended up admitting to it but it was very difficult for the professor at first to realize it they only realized it because the professor because the student was doing so bad during the entirety of the class that just when chat gpt released then he started writing all these really professional sounding essays so it, it's it's a crazy time that's just in the inception right now there's an ai tool called jasper which generates a marketing copy, which is very us usable for marketing professionals, of course. It has reached a valuation of $1.5 billion. And these companies, they're not slowing down. They're getting more and more investments and more higher and higher valuations as you know, companies are looking towards AI as the new way to innovate and streamline their work. I want to play a short clip here from one of the open AI founders. It was in a panel. I'm not exactly sure the context, but he was asked about here how will the company make money? And keep in mind, this is a, this is, you know, a valuable company. This is a working professional. And his answer in terms of how they're going to figure out how to make money with this technology, it is pretty surprising. So let's see if we can cue that up here. Let's see. Here we go. It's on Twitter. We'll retweet it on at Pasco's Perspective. But take, a, take a listen here. That's our song. Here we go. Getting it queued up. And here we go. OpenAI is so sort of amorphous, but it is a business. So I'm just wondering, like, eventually, is the idea to kind of like license technologies? Will you have customers that you're going to be customizing algorithms for them? Or how, how is it going to work? You know, the honest answer is we have no idea. Um, we, we have never made any revenue. We have no current plans to make revenue. We have no idea how we may one day generate revenue. Um, we have made a soft promise to investors that once we've built this sort of generally intelligent system, um, basically we will ask it to figure out a way to generate an investment return for you. <laughs> it sounds like an episode of Silicon Valley. <laughs> it, really um, it really does. I get it. I get, I, I, you can laugh. It's all right. Um, but it is what I actually believe is going to happen. So he's serious about that. He's giggling. The audience is laughing about this, but he's serious. This is crazy. They're going to create a technology that's going to tell them how to basically sell or run their business. And he believes that that technology is within reach for his company. I think it's pretty crazy. So I want to give you a short sample here to give you a sense of what's going on here. So Avatar, that's our next topic, but I want to give you a short, actually I'll talk about that right now. Avatar, the second one, Avatar, The Way of Water, top box office film for a third consecutive week in a row. Disney, they bought the rights to it. They're going to make dozens of films. They're literally talking about Avatar 7 and 8, James Cameron is, in terms of what they're going to make. They go to Earth, all the crazy stuff. I have yet to actually see the film, but it's doing really well. The film made an estimated $63 million over the holiday weekend and has made over $400 million domestically and $1.3 billion globally. It's currently the 15th highest 
global release of all time. This is a pretty big deal. This is a lot of money. They put a ton into it. They're getting a ton out of it. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. They're second and third. They're far behind in terms of how much they're grossing compared to the giant that is Avatar, The Way of Water. Even Babylon, the star-powered engine of Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, about the inceptions of Hollywood, performed poorly. It's bombing. And not in a good way. It's bad, bad. Avatar performing really well. So here's what I did. I found the IMDb description for Avatar 2. Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with the Natiri and an army of the Navi race to protect their home. I gave that to ChatGPT and said, write a four-sentence story outline for a sequel to this plot. So thus, the sequel to the sequel, the third installment. You know, they're putting a lot of money into what would the next story be. Wanna, we made a billion plus dollars. What's going to be the next story? But here's the catch with ChatGPT. Chat it put that out. It wrote me a little description. Some of the names there are a little difficult to read on air just because I don't know what this fictional language is all about. So I had it rewrite the same description but with the names of former American presidents. And it's four sentences. I'll read it to you here. It, it wrote a little bit more than four sentences, but uh, hang with me here. So this, this is what ChatGPT came up with. One year after George Washington has settled into life on Pandora with his, life, with his wife Marcia and their newborn son, a group of humans led by a vengeful Andrew Jackson returned to the moon with the intention of mining its valuable resources by any means necessary. George, Martha, and the other Navi are determined to protect their home and way of life, but they know they cannot defeat the humans on their own. In order to save Pandora, George must travel to the sacred Tree of Souls and seek the help of the all-powerful Iwi, the spirit of the planet. Along the way, he is joined by old friends and new allies, including John Adams, a former Marine who has learned to respect the Navi and the way of life. Together, they must find the drive to... They must find a way to drive the humans off Pandora and preserve the balance of the natural world. Okay, maybe not Oscar award-winning stuff. I don't know if George Washington would really be a space pirate like this with, with John Adams. But it's definitely something. It came up with about 25 seconds. You could definitely tweak it a lot more. It's a very powerful technology. It's very exciting what the possibilities can do when used appropriately. We'll see what happens in terms of the homework and the, the cheating of it because it's not actually plagiarism. That, what I just read, was an original piece. It's using a lot. It's kind of like Google in terms of it searching this giant database, but it's not just pulling then from that database. It's pulling little pieces and creating, generating. This AI is generating new text and pretty well-sounding English sentence. So if you're looking for a, you know, a post-colonial, you know, new age Space Pirate on the Moon starring George Washington, it kind of just wrote you a little outline there. And it could also write you some, some scripts and some pitches to go take it to some film finance studios. So do we really need then James Cameron? I mean, we need an avatar to clearly make a lot of money, but we do we need all the writing and, and behind it if this avatar, you know, this technology can basically write avatar and figure out what we already have and create something even newer and better off of it. So that's my perspective on generative AI. I'm sure we'll have some very exciting news this time next year. This, this, I think this year will be the year of generative AI coming to light even more so. I think it even surpassed Netflix in terms of how quickly it got to a million users. And it's only in the research phase. So I'm playing around with a lot of the story 
stories that are possible on generative AI, creating various fun prompts. So it's a lot of fun. I recommend checking it out. And yeah, that's what I'm enjoying right now. Let's go to a break. Let's go to little songs here. This is Charlie Puth with I Don't Think That I Like Her. Get her name and get her number. Find out all of the things that we have in common. Never all the differences. Oh, yeah. Meet her parents. Her brother, then she starts sleeping over the crib on weekends, like a real relationship. Support for KXSF comes from Rainbow Grocery, a warehouse co-op market with organic, vegetarian grocery items, bulk goods, and supplements. Visit Rainbow Grocery at 1745 Folsom Street in San Francisco or on the web at www.rainbow.coop. Thank you for your continued support. All my friends, they love me when I'm wasted. Tuck me into bed. All my friends, they never seem to question why I am the way that trouble i'm out to play i think i might start something that i can't throw 
drink too much, man, I don't think they mean it. I think they're jealous of the way I bounce off of the ceiling. Wake up, tell them I'm sorry. Ask them where's the next party. Maybe I should leave them alone. That was Stereo Jane with all my friends. Moving on into the College Bowl season review. I want to hit on some of the top highlights from the bowl season as it's officially over. We have the national championship coming up in a little bit with TCU and Georgia. But from around the bowl season, we do have some highlights. First of all, the CFP, the college football playoff semifinal games were exciting. They were both high-scoring nail-biters with 179 total points scored. People were concerned about these semifinal games. In the past, they were blowouts. A couple games were decided by about a touchdown or so, but the average margin was like 12 points. Some were complete blowouts. I think one team lost by, what, 25 points about two years ago. Not good stuff, but hey, we got some great matchups. The committee, gotta hand it to them, did some great matchups here. Georgia beating Ohio State. That was back and forth. Stetson Bennett, the Heisman finalist against C.J. Stroud, another Heisman finalist. Didn't know which way that was going to go. Ohio State led for a lot of that game. And then TCU Michigan. Harbaugh, we like him, the San Francisco guy, kind of. He lost TCU, the, the Horned Frogs. They're, they're still dancing. They, they were the lower seed, and they did a great job there. Max Dugan, a Heisman finalist in himself. Did pretty well. Pretty crazy job in terms of all the all the lead changes and some exciting football. I remember watching the game, going to the bathroom, and then the lead change come back two minutes later, and it'd be a completely different score. It was so much offense back and forth. I know the defenses were supposed to be a little bit better for some of these teams, but it was very exciting from a fan's standpoint to have close games and a lot of offense. Speaking, though, I mentioned three Heisman finalists. The fourth one and the winner, Caleb Williams, was not in the college football semifinal games. USC did not make it. They lost in the Pac-12 championship to Utah. And instead, they were playing in the Cotton Bowl against number 16, Tulane. And shockingly, Tulane, they won. It has been 88 years since Tulane had a major bowl victory. That was back in 1935. And now in 2022, 2023, they did it. They beat USC. It was crazy. In that game, they came back. And the Green Wave, you might think, Tulane, are they good at football? Well, last year, no, they were not good at football. 2-10 and 10 last season, and now going 12-2. and two. Quite the turnaround there. It was, it was shocking. I saw the beginning of that game. Really thought Caleb Williams would bounce back after that Pac-12 game loss. But really, if you look at the numbers, it's not. it wasn't in his favor. RG3 tweeted out, Teams that lose the Pac-12 championship game are now 0-11 in their bowl games. Wow. I mean, that's tough. That's tough. The Pac-12 always kind of been part of that Power 5 conference, but never really a part of it. People really never give, you know, the USC, the UCLA, maybe Stanford, Oregon's already kind of had a, a good foothold in college football, but they were blown out in the opener this season. 
And they did all right in the bowl season this year, but definitely disappointing. Three and four was their was their bowl game record. Oregon State beat Florida thirty to three in the Las Vegas Bowl. That was fun to watch. An absolute slaughtering there because it meant a lot for that team. Florida, you know, they're they're a big school. Las Vegas Bowl's nothing. Oregon State, they're what number fourteen in the country. That was a big win for them. Washington State lost to Fresno State twenty nine to six in the Los Angeles Bowl. Okay, didn't really watch that one. Oregon beat North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl. That was a very narrow win, 28-27 at Petco Park. Field was all torn up because it's a baseball field. I know people don't like it when they have football, college football games at baseball stadiums, but I like it. Yankee Stadium, Fenway, I think it's kind of fun. Seeing it at Petco, the late, late drive by Bo Nix, get the touchdown. The place kicker, he hits it off the upright, and it doinks in. It almost gave everyone a heart attack there. Very, very nerve-wracking right to the end, but Oregon did pull out with the win there over Drake May in North Carolina. Uh, Washington, they defeated Texas in the Alamo Bowl, 27-20. to But then the, U- the, the, big, the big guys, the L.A. schools and Utah, UCLA, they lost to Pitt 35 to 37, 37-35 in the Sun Bowl. They were supposed to be really good. Lost to Pitt. And USC, like I said, they lost to Tulane 46-45 in the Cotton Bowl. And Utah, the Pac-12 champs, they get blown out in the Rose Bowl 35-21. to So, you know, a couple narrow victories, a couple narrow losses. But the Pac-12, we'll see how this shapes up going forward. Because we have Deion Sanders coming to join Colorado. His son's going to be a quarterback. That really good DB he attracted over from Florida State to Jackson State is following him to Colorado. So he's going to be there. So you'd have to think they're going to at least be a 500 team next year. And how this impacts the league going forward. USC and UCLA are most likely going to be going, you know, leaving the Pac-12. But maybe that changes. We'll see. But uh, interesting time here for some West Coast football. Stanford, they got their new coach, Troy Taylor. He's been creating a whole new staff there. So maybe they're more competitive, but that really stood out to me. So I tweeted that out. Caleb Bloom loses to the Cotton Bowl. So two consecutive losses there to end this season. Him with Lincoln Riley against Tulane, who was a massive underdog. Let me just say this. Tulane, they spend about $5 million on their football program. USC, about $35 million. So it was a big mismatch. And hey, Tulane, they got they, they came out they came out victorious. Nothing you can do there. So uh, that's what we're looking at, the USC and Impact 12 college football bowl uh, notes. In terms of other notes, just some other notable events, the Mo- the Music City Bowl, 35.5 total points. That was the line set by Vegas. It was by far the lowest bowl game total since 2002 because you had Iowa, who cannot score the football. They're good for defense. They're getting Michigan quarterback um, transfer coming in next year. Hopefully, it'll help their offense, but... They were not good this year. I think they had their tight end run some quarterback plays. It's not good. Kentucky, an SEC school, but not really for football. Um, and they didn't score a single point. And they were still way under that 35.5 point uh, total. Even with it being a blowout. It was Iowa 21, Kentucky 0, and they hit that under, and Iowa won. So, crazy, crazy one to look out for there. On the other end of that spectrum, LSU absolutely dominated Port Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. 56 points. It was 63 to 7. And this one was notable too because Drew Brees, 
was the interim head coach for Purdue because I believe the Purdue coach was leaving to take a different job. So they said, oh, why not pull that Jeff Saturday? We'll get a famous alum of our program and have him be our interim head coach. Jeff Saturday, interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Drew Brees here, former Purdue quarterback, being the interim head coach, and it did not go over too well. Other controversy in this game, Drew Brees has a sponsorship or an affiliation with PointsBet, a sports gambling company in New Jersey, and they have a couple of locations. So in New Jersey, that's a violation. You can't have anything to do with the actual program. So all bets were voided in that game, and I saw some sports gamblers on Twitter very frustrated about this because they identified this as a massive blowout. This was going to be an easy win, and it was for LSU. So interesting little tidbit there, and in general. 16 and 26 underdogs went 16 and 26 in this bowl season significantly better than their 264 winning percentage over the past three they're only 28 and 78 over those last three so not bad for a college football underdogs got some good stories to watch Tulane one of those underdogs that got the victory congratulations to them we'll see what Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley do going forward they're bringing some football back to the Pac-12 at least for the time being before they they leave and into the West Coast. So that's what we got there. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL and some NBA. This is Group Love with Tongue Tied.
That was Group Love with Tongue Tied. All right, well, just a couple minutes left here on the show. Wanted to get some NFL news in as well. The biggest news, some very sad and scary news, the Buffalo-Cincinnati game last night featured a very scary injury to uh, Bill safety DeMar Hamlin. He took a hit. He tackled uh, T. Higgins, who kind of hit him back, put his shoulder down, hit him right in the chest. It seemed like a regular play, pretty routine. He gets up but then stumbles back. He need, ended up needing CPR for about nine minutes. Very scary scene. Uh, he was taken to a hospital. Uh, he, he's His vitals are okay right now, but he does have a, a tube in his throat right now to help him breathe, according to his marketing rep. That's what he tweeted on Twitter. The Bills put out a statement, but we don't know much more than that right now. Um, but very crazy, unprecedented times to see a man almost lose his life on the football field and reminding us how scary football really can be and the dangers of the game. Sports Center, there's ESPN. They're going to air the whole game, but instead they switched to Sports Center. I think they all went almost an hour talking to Ryan Clark, Scott Van Pelt interviewing one of his is analysts, Ryan Clark, a former NFL player, talking about this and this being the scary side of football that we all know is there, but we never really want to acknowledge. And I, I highlighted a few tweets on Pasco's perspective. 